The Supply and Change Podcast with Leo and Christine. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome Bernard today. Co-founding force in Hatio, Bernard and his team are on the mission to help Southeast Asian SMEs digitalize their supply chains. Special focus on digital warehousing and network distribution. Welcome, Bernard. Hey, Bernard. Welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Um, let's start with, with our first question today. I mean, it's a classic in this, in this podcast. What is your, your favorite myth about the supply chain? Hi, Leo. Hi. Um, thanks for having me on the show today. Um, I, I Well, the way I look at it, I mean, it's really an interesting question. And I, I would also say at the same time, it's, it's not an easy question to answer as well, right? Mm -hmm. It depends on uh, which kind of point, of point of view that you're looking at. Uh, from my point of view, really, is that... Um, from my point of view of not really an expert of supply chain, mm -hmm. uh, really the myth of supply chain really is that um, supply chain, uh, you know, it's like a lot of people, is, uh, a lot of companies, uh, a lot of brand directors, shippers um, have this thinking that it's very expensive. It's a, it's a very, it's a very, costly affair, you know, high investment to basically connect the supply chain together, you know. Um, um, now, where I'm looking at is really from the point of view of Southeast Asia, right? Yeah. Um, and, and really, if you talk about Southeast Asia, um, you know, uh, let's, let's, let's just for, for a moment put the multinets aside, right? the multinational companies aside. But if you look at the local SMEs, which, made up, which makes up the perhaps 80 to 85 to 90 percent of the economy in Southeast Asia, the 600 million population here, right? Um, really, uh, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of these companies are still um, you know, they're still manual, they still depend on paper, they're still on, you know, um, they're still on um, uh, Excel spreadsheets, right? So so every time when we go down there, um, whether it's the guys in the middle mile, in the warehousing, logistics, or even in a manufacturing site, right, on the upper stream, um, and you and when, when you talk about digitization or digitalization, right, um, um, the first thing is that, you know, the, the myth that they, they, I mean, again, I'm not sure myth is whether it's really the correct word, but the first thing to have in mind is ooh, this is a, going to be a very expensive affair you know it's going to be a very very uh, heavy investment um, you know and also because in the Southeast Asian region when you talk about especially the upper stream of the supply chain which is from the manufacturer point of view um, most of this a lot of these companies um, in, the in the local SME space a lot of these companies are run by the older generations right yeah so so if you look at the older generation point of view right they're like okay so if i'm going to digitalize i'm going to buy all these cool softwares with ai and iot and you know people talking about robots right amls and all these guys all these things all these stuffs um when am I, I going to recoup this, right? When, what was the ROI like, you know? So, yeah. so then, then of course, so that, that, that will always be the first, um, first thought leadership, first part of call of in the thinking process, right? And then, and then of course comes the other myth like, you know, oh, um, uh, 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 will digitalization, um, you know, will, 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 will it mean that, you know, I'm going to be, it's going to be, is it going to be very disruptive for me? You know, uh, mm -hmm. is it going to do more damage than good? Yeah, those yeah. kind of things. So, um, so, I mean, this is just a very general big picture concept of it, but um, I think what we're really looking at is, also, it's, it's really, um, you know, um, across, 
across board, not only the manufacturers, but also the warehousing guys. Um, you'll be surprised, even the guys in the port, you know, uh, we, we, we do work with the guys in the port as well. And those guys in the port that does all this custom clearing and, and all that, right? So every single touch point, I mean, you know, you know, supply chain is so wide, right? It's, it's not just the manufacturers. It's not just production plants, right? It's, yeah. it's all the way down, supply all the way down to the consumers. You know, don't even get me started about e-commerce, right? <laughs> it's, you know, 40... Yeah, I mean, you just look at what the, the one, the last 12 months alone, 40 million people in Southeast Asia got onto the digital um, buying and, and, and behavior, right? So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy how this whole pandemic has, has, has basically upended the entire supply chain. Positioning ourselves in Southeast Asia, right? As you're saying, uh, it's, a, it's a massive population. It, it's uh, yeah. also, we, we put outside the, the big players, of, of course, big companies have their own infrastructure and systems connected globally. But if you are a small, medium company, probably your second generation or, or you know, you, 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 your father started a company and, and you have your, 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 your group of customers, but there's a lot of potential. And when you see the possibility of, of really having a, a supply chain, those words are scary. Those words are implying that, oh, maybe we're not ready for that, that's for big companies, or that's an, a, yeah. a massive investment. And, and, and the thing is that, uh, as you're saying, we're, we're so globalized now that our customers everywhere in the world uh, are aware uh, of, of what's going on, they are aware of the trends, they are aware of, uh, of they even want to know more about their product. It's not just that I want to buy it because it's cheap, but I want to know a story behind it. I want to know, you know, where it was made or, or what stories is this brand telling me. And uh, and yeah, and there is there is this fear about making that jump because uh, especially I mean I'm, I'm from a I'm from a small country myself, so there is that fear of like why we don't we don't need that you know we're we're small we're working <laughs> on this we, we have our customers yeah. we, we know ourselves we don't want to try to be the the next Zara we don't want to be the next H and M but the idea really is that that having a, a, a supply chain management or having systems or having even transparency is not only for the Zaras or the H&Ms or, or the or PVH of the world, but it's something that the average Joe everywhere in the world now wants to know a story and you should be able to give them visibility of where you're, where's your manufacturing, where, what are you doing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and, and, I, and, I, and I think that you would agree with me as well that, uh, you know, especially of late, right, um, uh, the direct-to-consumer, you know, I mean, direct-to-consumer is not, it's not something new, uh, to be honest, right? I mean, we've been looking at this, I mean, we've been hearing this for many years, but if you look at the last the last 18 months, you know, where, you know, where this, where this new thing hit us, right? And, you know, it hit us so unexpectedly, you know, the whole world thought that it's a, it's a Wuhan problem, right? Yeah. Uh, and before you know it, Singapore is locked down, Hong Kong is locked down, Malaysia is like, I think we're in a third lockdown right now. You know, I'm just really hoping we're not going to go into the fourth lockdown. But if you look at it over the last 18 months, you know, um, uh, direct to consumer, you know, and and even um, one of the very uh, interesting trends that I, 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 I observe um, over in this region, in, in Asia and Southeast Asia as well, is that um, direct to consumer, if you look at all the e-commerce enablers, right, the guys from Momentum Group, you know, uh, and all that, um, the, the the direct to consume they, they have the e-commerce enablers have also ventured into and or rather repositioned themselves as a direct to consumer mm -hmm. you know it's like 
it's like people want to know, you know, um, like, like, like you mentioned earlier, right? People want to know the backstory of this product, mm-hmm. right? Uh, people want to know where this come from, uh, what is the inspiration of even maybe just creating, even just building this yeah. pen, you know, yeah. um, uh, things like that, right? So, so there, there, there's, there's been a uprising trend, you know, in direct to consumer. And I think because of that, right? Because of that, um, uh, it's like, you know, it's, it, it used to be, it's like the S is versus to be scenario. Right. As is, it used to be, okay, I create a product, you know, uh, so the manufacturers only manufactures the product. It doesn't talk to the customers. Yeah. Right. Um, and then it sends to a couple of, you know, channel, channel partners, channel sales or distributors. And then the distributors take it on from there. And then, you know, it goes through different markets. And then there's like different distribution points, um, different distribution uh, methodologies. Right. Um, and then at certain key markets, it's at a different price point until, so by the time it gets to the consumers, right, the whole, supply yeah. chain right the whole supply chain has been like there's a lot of uh, uh, viral yeah. effects already um, but if you look at it now if you look at the the, the, the the concept of direct to consumers in this new era of supply chain like I said direct to consumer is not new the concept of DTC is not new right but if you look at direct to consumer in these last 18 months and in, in this so called new normal or the next or I like to call it the next normal right normal. that we're all in right now it's, it's, it's been it's been it's been totally redefined, you know, totally redefined, you know. Um, how do you, you know, next, next, next questions. So, so a lot of questions, uh, case in point, right? A lot of questions that we got from our clients, um, from people, from teams we work with, all the way from, you know, product owners um, uh, to the distributors is, you know, now with the new, with this next normal that we're all in, you know, um, the way we've, we visualize the movement, the flow of goods have changed. Yeah. You know, um, we used to be able to visualize the flow of goods from Excel spreadsheets. Now, I'm not saying Excel spreadsheets is bad. Yeah. It works, right? It works for a lot of supply chain guys. It works for a lot of manufacturers, warehouse, play, uh, warehouse operators, logistic players for many years, right? Um, for 20, 30, 40 years, right? But today, it has changed. Yeah. Right. Um, the the dynamics of the game has changed. So the two B today, you know. So that was SE. So the two B today is a lot of people is asking like, um, you know, how do I get visibility? How do I get a real visibility from um, whether it's direct to consumer or how do I get a, a proper full visibility um, as a distributor? How do I get visibility as a seller, as a shipper? Right, um, you know, um, and 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 with this whole e-commerce boom, right? I mean, yeah. like like we mentioned earlier, forty million internet users yeah. went online or and, and and started buying, you know, and uh, over the last eighteen months, and these forty million users. It's not going to stop buying, right? Because yeah. we're already getting used to that kind of behavior, right? So moving forward from here, the question I guess really is, you know, how do we even have visibility all the way to the consumers? How do we understand this? So how do we make then? How in this case then the bigger question becomes, how might we, or is is transparency in supply chain really really possible? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, that's 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 the question that every everybody or every key player, you know, in that whole supply chain, <laughs> from one point to the own. other point, yeah. is trying to figure out. Yeah, the manufacturers trying to figure out, the distributors trying to figure out, um, the brand owners themselves, the Nikes of the world is trying to even figure out, like, who's buying my next Nike Zoom, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and how how is this market reacting? You know, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it, thing, right? when you say it's, it's very interesting because when we this 
okay, right now clearly COVID uh, took everything by surprise. But before that, uh, we had like the trade wars between the, you know China and the U.S. And pretty pretty much everyone was like checking Twitter all the time to make sure what's going to happen next, what's going to get taxed, because the moment that okay this is going to happen, then we need to move our, our production plants from China and, and all of a sudden <laughs> we had all these trips to explore Vietnam and to yeah. explore North India, South India, Bangladesh because. Every, everything was depending on maybe one tweet or one message and then all of a sudden 25% tax in the, in the, in the massive US market <laughs> and you needed to change yeah. your, your production plans. So we were already mm -hmm. in that place where, listen guys, we need to, to keep it flexible, we need to understand how everything works, where, where our raw materials are, we need to understand where our production is and to have a, a plan B in case something happens. Mm -hmm. And then enter COVID, right? So enter COVID <laughs> and countries are closed, so it's not about yeah. If the tax is going to work or not, but the, the whole country is closed. Then a, a container is, is blocking the entire Europe for from the rest of the world, mm -hmm. and all of mm -hmm. our, mer our merchandise is a stock. So it, it, it's showing that that companies, because of this globalization, are more susceptible to all, all of these factors. And uh, and if you're thinking from the so from the Southeast Asia perspective, you're saying okay, we we are not as sensitive maybe as as the U.S. or Europe to say okay, we're manufacturing in Asia and somehow has to come to your side of the world. You're kind of close, but and how do you serve that customer? But also again, bring in that visibility and flexibility because it means that you might be able to work out smaller quantities. You might be able to work out. Uh, you know, at trying to understand your customer better before uh, the problem always with the US or Europe will be that we need to fill a container with this so we need to think in advance maybe for, for Southeast Asia it's, it's probably like hey, we don't we don't really need a, a full-blown container or our lead times are not going to be six weeks or, or, or yep. three months so there's a mm -hmm. lot of that you can get out of flexibility but you cannot do it until mm -hmm. you don't have like understanding of how your supply chain works and, and how you can tweak those things to, to again to share that story to a customer to say okay I understand what you what you want right now and I'm working on it and, and this, is, this is how I present it to you um, how do you how do you see um, yeah. brands in, 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 in Southeast Asia uh, uh, working in a different way compared to to maybe Europe or, or, or the US in this, in this area so so there's a backstory to this right it's that classic story that you just mentioned right um, they were actually on the way out from Malaysia so so they basically have a production the whole production uh, point hub here right yeah. and you know because of the whole uh, the whole the trade war you know um, and 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 they were already on the way out to you know to another uh, to another uh, they are basically on the way out moving their whole production you know plan out to a strategy to, to to China, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then here comes a new guy at the helm in US, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you know, totally the rules changed, mm -hmm. and overnight because of the trade war, um, they had to like, oh no, you know, we we, we can't, we can't, we can't go to US, right? Exactly. We can't go to China, right? China seems to be out of option, right? And now yeah. we've got to now. So where do we go? So yeah. and the containers are coming, right? The containers are already the orders are being made. The containers are coming through, so they have no choice but to basically now expand, expand their capacity in in Malaysia, 
right? Yeah. So, so, so this becomes a advantage. This becomes an opportunity to the three PL player here, right? They're like, oh, sure, why not, right? When I um, Malaysia, you know, be my guest, <laughs> exactly. Be my guest, right? Um, you know, and 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 it's like you know, um, you got not enough rooms. I'm happy to build you more rooms, right? So, so, so a, a true story here is that you know this 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 Fortune 500 company supposed to go to China, and because of the trade war, because of the situation, they have got to now say, look, we it's, it's not it's not a it's not a op, it's not an option to expand or, or to move now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to stay put where we are, and to stay put where we are, we need to expand where we are currently, right? Wow. Because the containers are coming through, thirty containers are coming through. Yeah. How <laughs> this this Chinaman here is not going to take it, right? Yeah. So so my so one of our clients, one of our clients, which is a three PL uh, player, had the opportunity. You know, Leo, to basically expand into another additional 100,000 square feet of warehouse space. Mm. And you know, the best part about this story is before even the 100,000 square feet of that warehouse is being built, it has been filled. Get it? Before it's being built, it's being filled. It's insane. It's like like we are building a warehouse around like the goods. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the goods is there, you know, and then and then you just you just kind of like AutoCAD and draw the racks and the whole roof in, right? Um, It's it's that insane, right? And 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 we. You know the, the the exciting part really was we were in the we we were in the center of the action right yeah. we were in the center of the and, and we were feeling the impact of the trade war okay we we might not be feeling the whole you know multi billion story but hey we're feeling this small little Absolutely. story like here which is inter- the impact yeah 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 so so and 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 and, and the moment. Day two after the warehouse was commissioned, right? So they took about three to four months to complete the build up of the hundred thousand square feet. Day two of the moment the warehouse was commissioned, mm-hmm. thirty containers arrived, yeah. and that's it. And you know, so 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 the reason why they could, and 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 we we saw we saw the reason how both the brand, the Fortune 500 company, both the brand, the shippers, and uh, means the manufacturer and the 3PL could scale easily and expand so fast was because they had visibility. Yeah. So of course, when the when the other guy won, <laughs> and and you know hell broke loose, yeah. you know uh, with, with with China. So so that's where they were ready. And the one thing that I, we learned here is that when you have proper transparency, when you have proper visibility at all times in terms of like how my production is doing you know you can do forecasts uh, you can plan your supply chain you can forecast your raw mats um, you you know you can do just in time right so basically it's like you know you can do all those just in time uh, uh, order management and delivery to your production plant Um, then it's very it becomes very not to say easy is not the word actually it becomes very um, uh, let's just say it becomes very it gives you the confidence. Yeah. yeah. It gives you the confidence to say, ah, okay, let's expand this 100,000 square feet. You know, yep. we, 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 because we know that, we know that we could continue to plan, we could continue to produce, and we can continue to cost control. Yeah. Right? So, so, so we basically help, uh, I mean, the, the role, the role that we were playing there then was basically we help these guys, uh, our 3PL client, customer, and also the brand, the Fortune 500 brand, um, to basically plan and, and basically even execute on the strategy to expand 
you know, um, right away in the same market without having to, you know, sacrifice like, you know, oh shit, 30 containers coming in. China yeah. is a no-go. Do we go to Indonesia? But if you go to Indonesia, how, how does it, how is it going to be done? You know, or Vietnam, but hey, we can just right come to Malaysia, clear it in a part of Malaysia and then expand. We don't worry. We have space. Production can still can take it on, you know? Um, so, so, so the whole thing was really, I think it's really, um, thanks to the, uh, it, it really, the, 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 the advantage here, the upper hand here is basically on the visibility and the and the, that visibility of their flow of goods mm-hmm. gave them the flexibility to expand and move and, yeah. and and maneuver around that situation. Based on that, we would also like to see mm. how you would, um, I guess, predict what would happen next five years. Whether the supply chains would rather try to stay local because of uncertainties, trade wars. Mm. Um, if you are able to keep some level of visibility, what do you see? What are the potential scenarios? Yeah, well, let me ask you both a question, right? I mean, the, the world has always been talking about China, right? I mean, um, now the question really is, is China still the world's factory? I mean, given given what has happened over the last 18 months with COVID, um, you know, given how you know, um, things has been upended, you know, a lot of uh, materials, a lot of goods, you know, I, 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 I remember last year we were trying to get, I remember last year about maybe between six to eight months period of time, right? Um, I, Ikea here in Malaysia, you know, if you, if you go and shop in Ikea, you'll be, frustra- you'll be a frustrated shopper. Mm. Everything is out of stock. Everything's <laughs> it's either it's not here or it's all stuck in a pot. Right? It's yeah. stuck somewhere in a container, right? So, so really, I mean, I mean, the, the question that I I've been always, you know, I've been curious about really was: Is China still the world's factory? Right? I mean, China has played a central role in global supply chains, uh, and mm. there's there's no denial to that, right? I mean, with China's competitive advantage, you know, um, uh, you know, I mean, based on one of the, uh, I've read once in uh, one of the Shanghai-based uh, research, right? Um, you know, with China's competitive advantage, you know, lies not only in its uh, cheaper labor costs, uh, all of us know, right? Of course, we and high productivity, right? And and then China has, you know, over the last decade or two, um, you know, they really built a very comprehensive supply chain ecosystem within the, the, that market itself, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, think, which, which, you know, yeah. I think regarding your, your question, I think it, you know, I will say people may have different opinions regarding if China is the manufacturer of the world, but I guess what it's clear is that China doesn't want to be the manufacturer of the world anymore. Like clearly the strategy yeah, of the country is to move from <laughs> just being the manufacturer to become more of a, a consumer. And, that, and that's why these industries that are low value, like, like fashion or like, you know, creating these mm-hmm. products are cheap. It's not something that it's their priority anymore. They want to do stuff that is more complicated, to, you know, that requires certain level of, of, of preparation or in, in infrastructure. Intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they want to build rockets. Yeah. They want to be. They want to go. You know, they want to build big stuff. So, but then the question is, that, and that's what you mentioned, is like, China doesn't only have like you know like 1.5 billion people. It's really like the the size of their ports, the size of their airports, the roads, the infrastructure, the investment, the, investment, the, the, the ability to handle yeah. big volumes and small volumes to, to to again to 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 fulfill around the world. Where does that volume go? And who can take that volume? And which countries has the, the infrastructure? Again, the ports, the roads, the, the the volume capacity to to take that volume. And I guess that's where we are right now. Like, okay, China is like, okay, I'll mm-hmm. do it, but it's not my my goal. 
and the other one's like, wait, I'm still kind of building roads, or like my port is already, you know, like at maximum. Capacity. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, if you just look at if you just look at Apple's, um, you know, Apple's manufacturing, right, and 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 you know, you know, Tim Cook. Tim Cook, you know, recently even said, right, and I remarked that, you know, the, the, the speed, and, and if you look at what, given what happened the last, uh, you know, 18 to 24 months with this whole COVID thing, right, and if you look at the speed at which China's, uh, China is recovering from this, right? And the way the way China's uh, supply chain, yeah. you know, recovered from this uh, COVID nineteen disruption, you know, um, it really demonstrates, you know, how durable and resilient China's um, um, uh, uh, supply chain, you know, ecosystem has been built over the years, right? Yeah. Um, and and if you look at it, I mean, Apple currently still relies, you know, so much on China for the final assembly of of many of these, you know, key products like the iPhone and 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 and, and the Macs, right? So, 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 and although countries, you know, in Southeast Asia, like Vietnam, Taiwan, you know, or even the US, you know, uh, could, could potentially become uh, increasingly important as well, right? So, so, um, I, I guess, I guess uh, that you, as much as, um, you know, you, you, we, we all ask that question, I, I think it would also mean also that um, China would continue you know, given the infrastructure and given the 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 labor and the, like you know, like what Kristen uh, just mentioned, the investment <laughs> that they have. Um, you know, China. I think China would. China is here to stay. You know, yeah. kind of thing, right? Um, yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, and so, in in, in that mm -hmm. note, um, how do you see the the supply chain of the future? Then, um, you know, what what do you think is gonna is gonna look like in the next few years? Uh, again, will China be a player? Will local supply chains be a thing? Uh, technology will play a, a major role. How how do you see that happening? Um, I think the well, what I do see really is that you know um, the supply chain will definitely continue to evolve rapidly. I mean, um, you know, um, the supply chain will, uh, especially right now, you know, um, if at all anything uh, that has contributed, or rather, if at all COVID nineteen situation has contributed to, you know, uh, is is really that you know supply chain and logistics, you know, this space has become ever more important right uh, it has become ever more exciting uh, it is one industry that never stops moving you know uh, everything else stops retail stops you know entertainment you know took a big hit travel stops right but mm -hmm. supply chain and logistics is one thing right and 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 it's going to be at a i would say at a breakneck speed you know in terms of um the technological advancement you know how 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 technology uh, advance you know like a lot of things uh, even here right here in southeast asia we're seeing it as well right in terms of like um you know technologies that's always been only talked about not really implemented and today people are you know, companies are already taking, if, even if it's small baby steps, to go into artificial intelligence and automation, right? Of course, automation is it's a buzzword. You know, I always say that automation is a dirty word, right? It's like, you know, um, and it's defined very differently by every each and every different company based on where the position is, right? So, so um, well, although it can be difficult, you know, um, for supply chain managers and, you know, business leaders, you know, um, really to stay on top of these challenges, of these changes, um, but I think it is very important, 
you know, very important um, to basically um, be at the top of the game, you know, to, to see through these changes in this uh, supply chain. So if you, if you, if, if you talk about, you know, the, the future of um, this supply chain, I would say that um, it's very easy for me to just go in and say, okay, you know, let's, let's uh, definitely, you know, things like artificial intelligence, AI and automation yeah, will be, I think everybody, yeah. yeah, but there's all the buzzwords. Everybody is talking about it. Um, and, and if I were to put it is number one, um, the future would be in digitization. Uh, again, I'm coming from the point of view where I'm looking at my point of view is from Southeast Asia and the Asian region, right? And I'm looking at the huge addressable, the huge market of the local guys, right? The local players, right? And, and digitization, you know, um, you know, it's, it's basically, I think it's the first step, you know, it's really the first step to future proof the supply chain, right? To secure the future of the supply chain. Um, it is non-negotiable. You got you got to get there, right? It's yeah. it's uh, stop stop sitting at the sidelines, you know, enjoying in the race of the big boys, you know, doing their digitalization race and, and stuff like that. It's time to get onto the starting block. It's time to run the race, right? Um, you know, uh, I believe that you know an effective digitization uh, can definitely make the entire supply chain, you know, more streamlined, more mobile, and, and dynamic. Right, and and this is basically because at the end of the day, in supply chain, it's all about the organization's bottom line as well. Right, so, so that's 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 one. Right, um, two is basically. Um, uh, the customization, you know, um, be daring, you know, and uh, yeah, I would like to start with be daring to look into and and explore, you know, um, different ways of, uh, you know, companies should really be, be bold enough to look into different ways and different avenues of customization, you know, to make it a more personalized uh, experience. You know, because at the end it's basically like like you know, there's 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 uh, earlier we mentioned about it, the whole direct to consumer, right? And and you know, if you there's there are also some there are also we are we are also seeing some manufacturers or, or product owners of, of, of these these products, right? Um who has been relying on distributor. Right now they are also going into and, and taking the approach of direct to consumer. So so with this with this move, with this transition, with this change uh, you know, um they they've got to also evolve the way they customize their experience with their customers because their customers now is no more the distributor their customers now is the end user the guy who uses the product right mm. so so this is where you know um, and, and, and well it's not easy you know to keep up with uh, you know all these uh, uh, customization demands but I think I think the companies would have to definitely con consider and, and try you know be bold enough to try different different ways of customizing it as well um, um, the third the third trend um, again from the point of view of uh, of uh, the Southeast Asia and the Asian region is basically um, and it, again this is another buzzword uh, but it's really the, the internet of things right um, you know uh, from the manufacturing uh, plants the production processes uh, right to the you know the end finished goods um, distribution lines um, in the warehouse um, right in the container to the warehouse and then from the warehouse or the pick pack and ship all the way to you know all the last mile delivery guys and then right to the consumers I think I think the internet of things is really going to be a game changer for a market that 
and I'm saying this for a market that is starting to adopt, is they're starting to embrace technology. You know, uh, uh, you know, like 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 I said, right? From the way we understand the local SMEs market here is, the, um, people are starting to adopt. People are starting to get to the starting block of yeah. this whole digitalization race, right? So the next move over the next two three years, um, I think we will see a lot of these guys. You know, and because the Internet of Things, you know, all these sensors and you know the softwares um, are only getting cheaper, right? I mean, it used to be, you know, you know, RFIDs used to be so expensive, right? It's like, yeah. the hell are we? Like massive if, investment. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's a massive investment, you know. Um, but if you look at it today, right, I mean, look at Decathlon, right? The whole shop is being RFID. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So every single item is RFID, right? Yeah. Yeah, the whole store, right? So so I think IoT is going to play a very key role in the in, in the future trend of supply chains, um, you know, uh, particularly when it comes, I think, Especially when it comes to logistics, you know, in that in that in that whole um, in that whole line of that chain, um, you know, um, with with a very increasing, you know, uh, different kind of applications, right? Um, and and I think I would say that in the future, in the very near future, about next uh, two to three years from now, um, more than half, you know, or fifty percent of large companies will be using Internet of Things and you know other advanced technologies um, to really support their supply chain operations, um, and and this would. You know, I, I guess, I guess this then would eventually influence and change uh, the the the, 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 the operations, okay. yeah, the transportation, the last mile delivery. You know, and then and then that's where you know uh, it gets more transparent. I believe that's where it gets more transparent from the convenience that IoT can provide, right? And 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 and, and you know the accuracy. Then it, the transparency becomes more and more apparent, and um, brands and shippers and the logistic players now have and even the consumers right even right down to end consumers will have better visibility of uh, tracking inventory control and, and all this stuff as well yeah so I think this is top the top probably the top three things um, key trends of, of, of the future that perhaps I, I could um, vouch for at, at this point in time you know yeah coming yeah, well, coming from from the perspective of this region yeah, yeah, yeah what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much, Werner. It's been a, a, a fun exchange about like Southeast Asia, smaller companies. Always good to, to think about different things, not just the big players or big countries, but really seeing all that. Again, there's a lot of people and a lot of companies doing interesting things over there. All, all the yeah, best. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Leo, Kristen, for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. This was the Supply and Chain Podcast. You can see more episodes on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Remember to leave a review, like, and subscribe if you want more content like this. See you next time.